All right. Well, good morning, everybody. I am excited to be able to bring the word to you guys today. Uh, my name is Pastor Jamal. I'm the youth pastor here. So uh, if you've never uh, had the oppor- if I've never had the opportunity of uh, bumping into you, um, it's probably because I'm next door or probably because we're out laser tagging or something weird. Uh, but uh, yes, I'm the youth pastor here. It's an honor to be able to share the word of God with you guys this morning. And I want to say also good morning to those of you guys who are joining us online. Uh, Really quick, as we've been going through this series called Emotions, I'm actually really curious if you're checking us out online, why don't you drop in the chat right now, what's your favorite uh, emoji to use when you're converse, uh, conversating with people uh, via text. I just am curious uh, as to what the most used emoji uh, may be. Uh, there might be some people being like, oh, Pastor Mo, I can't drop that in the, I can't put that emoji in the chat. Um, but uh, I was just curious, man. You know, just want to know, like, what's your favorite emoji uh, to use uh, when you're texting with maybe friends or family? Um, so yeah, let's uh, jump right into things this morning with a word of prayer. Is that okay? Is that all right? Um, Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much for your word. Lord, we know that your word you've given to us so that we may draw near to you. Today we ask that you would do exactly that. Draw us nearer to you that we may be molded and shaped into the image of your son. We trust you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Well, we're in week two of our series uh, called Emotions. And so a really quick recap here. Last week, Pastor Matt shared about where is Jesus when he saw hurt or where is Jesus when there is hurt, right, when there's pain. And he broke it down for us really well out of Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 16, right? He said that Jesus saw the widow and he, he cares for you. You get to understand this, this truth. It's not an opinion, right? This is a truth. This is a fact that Jesus cares for you. I know that there are some people who would like to argue and say that the Bible is full of opinions, but I'm here to tell you this morning that when the creator of the universe says something about you or about himself, you can take it as truth. You can take it as truth. And so Jesus cares for you. He overflowed with compassion. He loves you, right? Remember Pastor Matt gave us that word, uh, that Greek word? I can't even say it. I'm going to, the spagnon, right? Like from the guts, from the bowels, right? This is this idea that he is deeply in love with you. And he says that Jesus touched the coffin. Jesus comes to you. He comes to where you are. Contrary to maybe what you believe or maybe you think in your heart and in your life, the reality is, is wherever you are, Jesus comes to you. He comes to where you are to meet you in the midst of whatever you're going through. And then on top of that, he's with you. He's God in the flesh. He is present with us in the midst of of things that we go through. Well, today is a little bit of a different message. Today's a little bit of a different message. Um, Today's message has the potential to make some people upset. (laughs) It has the potential to make some people a a little mad. Today's message has to do with anger. (laughs) We're talking about anger 
today. And not just anger in the sense that, ah, I'm angry, but we're talking about what do we do with our anger? What do we do when we get angry? Speaking of angry, has anybody seen people angry recently? I'm just curious if you've, I'm just curious if maybe in a social media space you might have seen some anger thrown out. No? Okay. Maybe in the like grocery parking lot, have you seen some anger maybe tossed about? No, you guys don't see anger out in the world nowadays. All right? Maybe, maybe in your own home. Oh, let's, let's, I don't want to get too deep here, but what did Jesus do when he got angry? How did Jesus respond when he got angry? Maybe here's another question to ask. Have you yourself found yourself to be a little bit more agitated as of late? Um, Maybe seeing some things, hearing some things, different conversations. Do you find yourself to be in a little bit of an agitated state? Full disclosure, the answer for me is yes. (laughs) Yes, I've been in an agitated state. I've found myself to be a little bit angry, a little bit, and not a little bit, a lot of it. And so today's message, if I'm being very honest with you, is a little hard for me because it's really about me. (laughs) I am preaching to myself this morning and challenging this idea of what it means to be angry. Jesus, though, when Jesus got angry, he did it in a way that still brought honor and glory to God. When Jesus got angry, he did it in a way that brought honor and glory to to God. So let me tell you just right out the gate, there is a temptation for today's message. There is a temptation within today's message to possibly see it or view it through a particular lens. To maybe see it and listen to it through your own bias, through your own political views. There is a temptation here for that, but I want to challenge you not to do that. Try your best not to fall into the temptation of filtering this message through those lenses. And let's take a look at the passage today for what it is. Let's look at Jesus for who he is and see how we should carry ourselves in the midst of anger and understand what it means to be angry like Jesus. So let's clear something up from the very beginning, right? It is not a sin to be angry. It is not a sin to be angry, all right? It is completely within your range as a human being to have that type of emotion. It is completely within your range as a human being to even express that emotion. But when we're talking about being angry in the way that Jesus was angry, ultimately we need to make sure that our anger still brings honor and glory to God. In the way that we feel anger, in the way that we express our anger, it should bring honor and glory to God. Paul addresses this uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 27 
And we're going to read that verse here in a second. But before we get to that particular verse, the beginning of the chapter of Ephesians, or of, of the, in the beginning of chapter 4 of Ephesians, Paul kind of gives a little bit of the setup before he gets to this particular verse. In this particular chapter, Paul highlights that he wants the believers in the church of Ephesus to make unity a focus. He wants them to make unity a focus. And so in an effort to move forward together as a church body, Paul calls the Ephesians to a lifestyle of unity. He says this, he says, I therefore urge you to live worthily of the calling with which you have been called with all humility and gentleness. I want you to live your life, right, in a way that is worthy of what you have been called to do in the manner in which you have been called to live. Paul is putting this charge out to the church. He says, I want you to do this with all humility, with gentleness, with patience, putting up with one another in love. He says, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So Paul lays this foundation. Hey, this is what I'm asking you to do moving forward. That you may be a representation to the people around you that you would be bound together in unity with humility, gentleness, and patience. Then he goes on and continues on. He says, if you have your Bible, usually it's kind of like got these little parts and columns where it kind of gives you, hey, this column or this part is about this. And so that part, he says, this is about living in unity. But if you follow it and keep going down, he moves from unity to holiness. Because to live in unity means to also walk your life in a manner of holiness, right? To live your life in unity means to also live your life in a manner of holiness. And he says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 27. He says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on the cause of your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Do not give the devil an opportunity. So here in this particular passage, right, there's a distinction that Paul is making between being angry and living in sinful behavior because of your anger, right? He says, be angry, but do not sin. Paul urges his readers to know the difference between being angry and then being angry to the point where you are now producing sinful behavior. Can I just be honest with you this morning? To be angry and sin brings disruption of holiness to the unity and the body. To be angry and then flesh out your anger in sinful behavior brings disruption to the holiness and unity of the body. And the holiness and the unity that Paul has called us to and the holiness and unity that Jesus Christ expects from his bride. There has to be an understanding from our perspective as we read this passage of Scripture that we can be angry. However, we cannot allow our anger to bring disruption to holiness and unity. And even in this passage, as Paul says, do not give the devil an opportunity, some versions say foothold. 
Some versions say don't give the devil a foothold. And the, the idea behind this passage is that, that there's someone puts their foot in the way of you trying to close the door. And so it gives them an opportunity. It gives them access into the room. For some of us, when it comes to our anger, we, in our sinful behavior, give access to the enemy into the throne room of our hearts. And when we give access to the enemy, or when we give the enemy access to the throne room of our hearts, he lays waste to all of it. For some of us, the challenge is making sure that we don't allow the enemy to get access to our friendships, to our marriages. One of the things I've been struggling with lately is making sure I don't allow the enemy to have access in regards to my relationship with my kids. The last thing I would want, and I imagine the last thing we would want as a body of believers, is to give the enemy access to something that God has set apart for his purpose. I love the way that Paul puts that together. Don't give him an opportunity. And for us, man, it's so important that we do just that. Craig Rochelle says it like this. He says, if you're not careful, your unrighteous anger will lead you to compromise your efforts to make a difference in something that really does matter. All of us have things in our life that we believe are of utmost importance and things that we, this really matters to me. But if we're not careful in our anger, our unrighteous behavior that comes from that, man, it could lay waste to that witness completely. So what does it look like to be angry and not sin? Thankfully, Jesus models this for us in Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 through 14. If you have your Bibles, you can open up there. If you have the Bible app, you can pull it up on your phone or your tablet or whatever. Uh, maybe you're at home on, online and you're sitting right next to you. Maybe you've got the screen share, you know, dual screen right now. You've got two things going on. Um, you can pull it on up there. Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 through 14. And, and I'm going to be reading. I'm going to be reading from the NET. All right. So I'm going to be reading from the NET. And it reads like this. Then Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all of those who were selling and buying in the temple courts and overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are turning it into a den of robbers. And it goes on to say, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple courts and he healed them. Again, today we're talking about anger, but not necessarily anger in the sense of like, oh, I got to control this. We're talking about what it means to be angry like Jesus. Because again, the goal is to understand that we can be angry and not sin. That we can be angry and still give glory and honor to God. That we can have an anger about us 
and not flesh it out in a way that ruins our witness. So I want to give you four observations through this passage about what it means to be angry like Jesus. So a couple things to note about this passage, just so you understand some of the nuance going on here. One of the things that's going on here is this is Passover week. Not only is it Passover week, it's the last week of Jesus's life. So Jesus knows he's entered into Jerusalem fully knowing that he is at the cusp of his purpose. He's at the cusp of his purpose. And can you imagine what it's like to be running out of time? To be running out of time and having to choose exactly what you're going to say, exactly what you're going to do. The last things that you're going to say, the last things that you're going to do. And for Jesus, walking into this temple and flipping tables is one of them. Being angry in a way that still brings honor and glory to God is one of them. Again, Passover is happening during this week, and honestly, it's not lost on Jesus the depths of what Passover means in this moment, right? Passover is this idea back when, uh, um, back in the Old Testament, right? When the Israelites were in Egypt, the blood of the Passover lamb was put on the doorposts as a covering for people to keep them, to rescue them from the judgment that is coming. And Jesus fully knows that in this moment, he is that lamb. His purpose is right here in this moment. More than that, Jesus walks in, sees these money changers, and he finds himself righteously angry um, and starts flipping tables. John's account, he actually makes a whip and starts scattering the cattle that were also in the temple. But what does it mean to be angry like Jesus? Let's break it down. Four observations. The first observation is this. Jesus is known for his love not for his anger. Jesus is known for his love, not for his anger. See, Jesus wasn't characterized by this anger. This moment in scripture is uncommon. What's, what's known about Jesus is that he's loving and that he's compassionate. When people speak about Jesus, he's a healer. When people speak about Jesus, he's hanging out with the prostitutes, with the tax collectors. He's hanging out with the people who people would say, these aren't good people to hang out with. And in this moment, you see his anger. Jesus is known for his love, not for his anger. Characterized by his love, not by his anger. My question this morning is, can the same be said about you? Are you characterized by your anger more than your love? I was sitting down with my kids and we were having, uh, we were taking one of those like quizzes. It's like, which Marvel character are you? You know, like, and honestly, if you really want to be honest about these like quizzes, you can kind of like, you can kind of make yourself get the outcome that you want based upon assessing the questions correctly. You could say, oh, I choose this and, and get the character that you want. And so I'm trying really hard to get Captain America because I love Captain America. Like, that's my guy. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, justice. And uh, I love people and uh, uh, I'm a leader. And uh, uh, Captain America, yes, got it. And my daughter, Naomi, she's, she's usually, see, the thing about it is, is the youngest ones, always the ones are kind of just like right off. They're like, but dad, this, you know, like they always kind of like cut you. 
And I'm sitting there. I'm like, yes, Captain America. She's like, no, Daddy, you're the Hulk. I'm like, well, I'm the Hulk. Oh, so immediately I'm like, oh, I get it. I'm the Hulk because I'm big. You know, yeah, you know, I'm the Hulk. She's like, no, Daddy, you're the Hulk because you're angry like the Hulk. Kind of wish you would have said that I was big like the Hulk, baby. Daddy, you're like the Hulk because you're angry like the Hulk. And it's unfortunate when people characterize you by the things that you wish. Man, what I love about this passage is when we read it, we see it. It's very clear. Jesus is not characterized by his anger. He's characterized by his love. We had this opportunity uh, a couple months ago to hang out with um, some, some students, and we went to uh, B- Buffalo Wild Wings, and it was a great time. It was a fun time, and man, this, this waiter came up, and he's ready to take our, our order, but he doesn't have a pen and paper with him, and we're like, oh, this guy's about to just kind of like wing this? Like, this is kind of intense. Like, uh, don't you kind of need this? And he's like, oh, what, what do you guys need? Like, so we order, we order, and, and we're trusting that this guy kind of knows what he's doing. In fact, in fact, uh, Max Diva is sitting to the right of me, and he leans over. He's like, who does this guy think he is? He's think, he doesn't have to be cool, man. Just take, just take notes, man. Like, write our order down. I'm like, I'm like well, you don't know, Max. He might, he might have this in the bag. Um, he did not have it in the bag. <laughs> he did not have it in the bag. I mean, he messed up our order so bad. I believe it was like maybe six or seven of us who were, that were there. He messed up our order so bad that when the bill came, the bill was like $40. $40 for seven people? That's not real. <laughs> That's not real. So immediately I understood. I was like, man, this guy is, he's taking some things off because he realized that he dropped the ball. Um, he dropped the ball a lot. So it was like bad. And, and so when it comes time to pay the bill, I just tell the guys, I'm like, hey, guys, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna tip this guy as if he charged us the full time, the full tab. And I remember just kind of like immediately, like the kids were all like, yeah. And what I love so much about that moment is that we get an opportunity to be characterized by something different than what maybe most people would choose to be characterized in that moment. Well, you know what? He messed up my order. I deserve this. Well, you know what? Like, you know, that's on him. We took an opportunity to be characterized by forgiveness, mercy, compassion, and we still tip that man the same. In your anger, how do you want to be characterized? When it comes to being angry like Jesus, He was known for his love, not his anger. Number two, when we look at our passage of scripture, we see that Jesus was angry on behalf of those who were mistreated. Jesus was angry on behalf of those who were mistreated. This passage highlights some pretty sinister stuff taking place here. And and Jesus understands a lot of what's going on, probably more than what we could really try to pull out of this text. But, But he understands, man, there are people here being mistreated, being misled, and Jesus is upset on their behalf. He's also upset on behalf of the Father, that the name of God would be used in this way to be characterized as 
some sort of thief when that's not who God is. Jesus is angry on behalf of those who are mistreated. He isn't flipping tables because of something that's been done to him. He's flipping tables because of what's being done to others. Oftentimes when it comes to being angry, I'm flipping tables because of what's being done to me. Jesus makes it a point to highlight that being angry in a holy and righteous manner oftentimes comes from a place of being angry at how others are being mistreated. But Pastor Jamal, I am angry on behalf of others. You know, I'm, I'm angry on behalf of people who don't respect LGBTQAI+. I'm angry on behalf of people who are, you know, don't respect our law, law enforcement. I'm, I'm angry on behalf of black lives. I'm, I'm angry on behalf of vax and non-vax. And I'm, I'm angry on behalf of masks and non-masks. And what I understand about this passage is this. I think that there is an area much like these people in this passage. Where some of us give more of an effort for arguing for these platforms than we do for people coming to know Jesus. See, it's easy, right? The temptation to listen through the political lens. But the reality about this passage of Scripture is that what was happening was people were being kept from God. Being angry like Jesus understands that the greater thing here is that people need Jesus. And if these hurdles are in place, keeping us from, or keeping others from coming to know Jesus, man, those are the things we need to be angry about. The things that keep people from knowing the goodness of Jesus Christ. Being angry like like Jesus means being angry at the hurdles that separate people from God. Man, we cannot afford to sit here and be angry about things that bother us. We need to be angry about things that keep others from Jesus. That's what it means to be angry like Jesus. Because you understand the end goal. The end goal is souls. The end goal is people knowing the Father. Before you get more upset at me, (laughs) this was me. I'm angry about this stuff. I'm angry that people don't respect this. I'm angry people don't respect that. I'm angry people don't believe this. I'm angry people don't really give crunchy peanut butter the respect it deserves. Crunchy peanut butter should be respected, okay? There is this app on my phone. I have an iPhone, and iPhone does this weekly progress report. Some of you will get it later on today. And the weekly progress report does this assessment on where I'm spending most of my time on my phone. And what I've found is that I was spending a ton of time on my phone. And, it, and what's crazy is it also breaks it down to which app you're using the most. And it was letting me know you're spending a crazy amount of time on Facebook. You're spending a crazy amount of time on Facebook pouring over all of these different opinions, all of these different arguments, because you want to be able to counter this argument. You want to be able to refute this opinion. You want to do this. And the Holy Spirit just began to convict me. 
Because the amount of time I was spending trying to research how to answer all of these questions and to counter all of these opinions and counter all of these, 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 these points or viewpoints or whatever, the Holy Spirit clearly said to me and in my heart, man, it just was just real, like just audible. It was like, yo, the amount of time you spend here is pitiful in comparison to the amount of time you spend praying for the lost. It's sad. Look at you, Jamal. Look at how much time you're investing in this right here. When there are souls on the line. You can spend so much more of your time in something of substance. Of something that really matters. You could be angry about something that that matters so much more than all of this junk over here. Being angry like Jesus means that we're angry at how others are mistreated and how others are kept from knowing God. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says this, instead, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another, just like God in Christ also forgave you. Can I just say something just flat here? If you are in this space of constant anger, and maybe you are agitated at the state of the world, agitated at this person or agitated at that person, and that anger has not subsided, can I, can I challenge you to consider this verse? To consider the grace and mercy that has been poured out over your life? the forgiveness of the Father towards you, and maybe consider how that forgiveness could be given to others. And may I also challenge you with this. Maybe consider asking God to heal your heart of that anger, of that hurt. Because it's really about others coming to know Jesus. Number three, when Jesus was angry, he flipped tables, not people, okay? I've lived in Jersey long enough to, listen, I know the New Jersey state bird, okay? I've seen that bad boy flying around. It seems to be indigenous to like the parkway area. I don't know if you've, it's usually (laughs) people driving up and down the parkway. Man, they're like, check out this New Jersey state bird, okay? When it comes to being angry, Jesus flipped tables, not people. For some of us, we need to get to this understanding that we need to be upset at the system as opposed to the people. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus, when he's flipping tables, some pastors have highlighted this idea that the table is a representation of the system that these people have put in place to keep people from drawing closer to God. In our world, in our understanding of the way that things work in this world, we understand that some of these man-made systems absolutely, man, they do a, they do a disservice to who Jesus is. They do a disservice to what God represents. And if there's anything to be upset about, it's those systems. 
So what's taking place in this passage of scripture, right, is that these money changers and these dove sellers and cattle sellers, have you ever been to Great Adventure before? You know what this is like, right? When you go to Great Adventure, the food inside of Great Adventure costs way more than the food outside of Great Adventure. I mean, I think that like you could get a McDonald's Happy Meal for like maybe five bucks or something like that at McDonald's. But if you were to go to a McDonald's inside of a Great Adventure, oh, that Happy Meal is going to cost you smoothly $15. This is exactly what's taking place here. As it's Passover, as people who worship Yahweh are making a pilgrimage from where they are to Jerusalem to come and worship, they are coming to offer a sacrifice inside of the temple. And to offer a sacrifice inside of the temple, you need the right type of sacrifice. And if you did not have the right type of sacrifice, conveniently, these gentlemen would be inside selling the right type of sacrifice for you to submit unto God. Now, if you did not have the money, well... Too bad, so sad. You can't come in. You cannot worship God. If you didn't have the right one, they would say, okay, sure, you you don't have the right one. I'll sell you the right one, but I'll sell it to you for great adventure prices. And Jesus sees this, and this is highway robbery. This is not... I want to just preface this. This is not an invitation for you to start flipping tables in the name of Jesus, okay? Understand what's taking place here. Jesus is upset with the system, and he's upset that the system has gravely kept people from knowing God. I want to challenge you to be careful not to allow your own belief system to become more important than Jesus. Don't allow your own belief system to become more important than Jesus. If it has, man, that's something, that's a table to be flipped. Jesus wants the people to know the most important thing is for people to know God. In fact, when it comes to being angry, right, anger does not draw people to Jesus Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3 says this, it says, I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with loving kindness, not righteous anger. God has drawn us with loving kindness and so for us it is absolutely important that we understand being angry like Jesus means that we flip tables, we change systems, we move these hurdles out of the way so people can come to God. Does that make sense? And lastly, I'm going to ask Pastor Bonnie to come. When Jesus was angry, he loved and healed those who were hurting. Being angry like Jesus means that you see the greater picture at hand. And the greater picture at hand is people coming to Jesus, people finding hope, finding restoration, finding forgiveness, finding healing. One of the things I love about this passage of Scripture is that last verse, it says, the blind and the lame, they came and he healed them. 
I would like to imagine that it's not just the physically blind that Jesus healed that day, but maybe even the spiritually blind, those who didn't quite see it from the beginning, the importance of who God was, the need, the necessity to remove these hurdles so people could draw closer. What does it mean to be angry like Jesus? It means that we aren't characterized by our anger. And listen, we've got to be so careful. Because you might be right. You might be right. You might be right. But you cannot forget to be loving. You might be right, but you cannot forget to be loving. Sometimes, for some of us, I'm talking about myself here too. I will cling to being right over being loving. And in doing so, man, I'll say some not loving stuff. I might even do some not loving stuff. That's not what Jesus has called us to do. Being angry like Jesus means that we're angry on behalf of those who are mistreated. Paul says to consider others better than yourself. When we direct our anger, we direct it towards things that keep people from God. Because ultimately what we care about is souls, right? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And when it comes to being angry like Jesus, we help those who are hurting find healing. It's not a sin to be angry. But in our anger, we need to make sure that we're bringing honor and glory to God. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? The call is simple. You're here today, you say, Pastor Jamal, I've not always brought honor and glory to God with my anger, and I, I want to just repent. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? I want to pray for you today. I'm, I mean, I'll let you know my hand is in the air because I didn't always... I don't, I don't always. Father, you see these in the place this morning who, like me, struggle to be angry like you were angry. God, I'm asking today that as we confess and repent before you, that you would allow the Holy Spirit to enable and equip us to be men and women who are angry like Jesus. Angry in a way that, that, that does not lead to sinful behavior, but angry in a way that brings honor and glory to you. Help us to see the hurting. Help us to see them, Lord God, and bring them to a place of healing. Help us, Father God, to be angry on behalf of those who are being mistreated. Help us to, be, to understand what it means, oh God, to move these hurdles so that people could come near to you. And maybe even for some of us, God, I ask that you would heal us of the hurt in our own lives that may be the cause 
of our unrighteous anger. Jesus, you've called us to be loving. Let us not forget that. I pray that for each and every one of us, you would teach us what it means to be angry like you so that we may love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you.